my very best to get this job that I so crave. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fan Zone Debate. Uh, we got another one in our debut class of people here. Uh, you saw them earlier uh, debuting in their first match, and now they're, they're going against each other again. Again, debuts versus debuts. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so on this side of it, we got Brooklyn Vale, who beat Tanner Hansen in his debut, going up against Bill uh, Cariola, who beat Chadwick Webb, I want to say. That's who he played, right? Yeah, he played Chadwick. Uh, and now they're going up against each other. Uh, winner of this is going to be in a contender match. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, different styles from these guys in their debut. So uh, Brooklyn, a bit of a veteran in the debate uh, leagues. Uh, Bill uh, kind of shown up. I don't know if he has history in the debate leagues otherwise, but uh, impressed me in his last match, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Kirk is here to judge this one with me. Kirk, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, excited for this match. Uh, when we announced all the new players and who was playing who and what the possible matchups were, uh, this is one potential matchup that I kind of circled on the schedule because I was interested to see if it happened, how it would go. I think it would be a pretty good fight. So uh, I'm excited it played out this way, and I'm excited to see how it goes. And Brian, you are here. I, at this point, I want to say, as always. But, uh, Brian, you're here. How you feeling about this matchup? Uh, almost always, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm here. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think the best part of this will be watching Bill, uh, who just as in trivia is more surprised than anyone whenever he wins a point. That's also, yeah. Which that's happens a lot. He just seems to be surprised all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very true. Uh, so we are going to get uh, into this starting with uh, talking to Bill, actually. Uh, Bill, welcome. Hello. Uh, you played Chadwick in the last match. Did that go to the bonus question, or did it? You did, it? it yeah, it did. It, it did. did. It went. It went. It went all the way, as they say. Uh, really fun match that one. And now you're going up against Brooklyn. How are you feeling? Uh, this is actually going to be a little more calm and reserved, as Brooklyn is a friend of mine, and he's not giving me shit to fuck with me on purpose. So I appreciate that going into it. That's fun. So I gotta, I gotta admire that. So yeah. Yeah, uh, he's had some interesting choices for answers. I'll say that. So uh, this should be this should be a good time. At the end of the day, we will all be friends. We will break bread. It's good, good stuff. Yeah, a lot of respect. So uh, let's bring in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, you went up against uh, Tanner. Uh, in doing so, you earned a KO on your first match. And now you're going up against Bill. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I'm feeling scared. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. This should probably be a be a contenders match. Um, no, no offense to whoever wh whoever we're playing. I just think there's a lot of lot of caliber uh, here. Um, Bill makes me laugh on a on a bad day. Um, he just he's he's just a naturally good talker. Um, so I'm just I'm just making sure that my uh, my eyes are dotted and my T's are crossed and stuff. And yeah, I I haven't prepped like this since. Uh, since the Cody days and flashbacks. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one could say we're still in the Cody days. Those of us that, you know, have to hear him yell all the time. But uh, nonetheless, uh, this is going to be a good time. Bowman? Where's Bowman? <laughs> um, this is how the show's going to work, guys. We have uh, four questions based off of categories that Bill and Brooklyn drafted. I gave them some questions. They gave me some answers. And now they're going to debate those questions before our very souls this evening. 
Uh, each of them are going to get a one-minute opening, followed by five minutes of free-form debate between the two of them, followed by one minute of closing, after which Kirk, Brian, and I will write on our handy-dandy boards who we thought won that question. Best two out of three votes wins the point. The first person to three points wins the match. And if we are tied after the four prep questions, we will go to a bonus question. Gentlemen, do you have any questions about how this is going to go? Great. Then let's get into it. All right, we are going to get started right away with your first question, which was drafted by Brooklyn in the category of the MCU. And the question is, what is the best super suit in the MCU? Uh, so, Brooklyn, you get to lead this one off. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. Um, all right, so I picked Spider-Man suit from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, so we had already seen in the MCU where uh, Spider-Man through these like viral videos of Civil War that he's already talented um, without his powers. Like he's at, he just had a hoodie and whatnot. And then you get come into Homecoming um, and he's finally able to get that proper upgrade through Tony Stark. Um, the medium of this, uh, the medium of the upgrades of these powers is through Jennifer Conley as Karen and the AI. Um, she's just a great. Basically, basically like an, another Jarvis, um, and it's kind of kind of fitting because of their because of their relationship, um, and it's and the suit itself actually just plays an integral role between the relationship of of Peter and Tony, uh, and it just gives a characteristic as to how powerful the suit is. Um, and actually, going to continue my time. Okay, uh, we're going to move over to Bill. Bill, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. I uh, I picked Ant Man in Avengers Endgame because uh, I mean that's a first off good looking suit, good color scheme. I enjoy it, red and black, good stuff. Also, uh, first off, you get size manipulation, which is just so fantastic and so useful in so many ways. Not to mention, uh, I can go to the quantum realm and I can time travel. I mean, the functionality alone that blows anything that Spider Man Homecoming has out of the water. It's pretty. Pretty rad being able to travel through time and then just be a giant bastard and then beat up everybody and then shrink down and, you know, hide outside Iron Man and break his shit. I mean, that's pretty great. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. That, that pretty much sells itself, I think. So uh, let's get to fighting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Uh, Spider-Man versus Ant-Man. Five-minute freeform. Please don't talk over each other. Uh I will come in to give you the one-minute warning with the banner on the screen. So uh, enjoy. Have fun. All right, so how does so, this work? You talk first or I talk first? Uh, I'll, yeah, you go first. You go first. No, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, it's not actually the suit in Ant-Man that makes it cool. It's the Pym particles. Like, Edna Mode broke it down in, in Incredibles about how, like, the stretchy things work, like, like Egyptian cotton and whatnot. Um, and then also, like, if we're talking, like, there's – that's like, that's a variant – of of the suit so, like you're talking about the one the initial one the initial one that he has that that they do the time travel and they fuck it up and then tony stark and bruce banner are like oh we're gonna improve this so that it can fit for everybody still um, the so same suit is, it's the it's, suit but his but suit. his 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 version is the inferior one that tony and bruce have to improve 
I mean, the big problem with yours is he couldn't even fucking figure out how to work it through half the film. If he's a fuck, so, he's a teenager. Yeah, but he's supposed to be a brilliant scientific mind, which has always been my big problem with Spider-Man in the MCU. Is he takes a back seat and he's Iron Man Junior, and it kind of drives me nuts. Ned has to help him break into this goddamn thing, and can't be that great if like a teenager's breaking into this, and then you get all these functionalities. And that's my big problem is like Peter Parker doesn't need an Iron Man suit. Peter Parker should be fighting criminals in the street, like. It doesn't work. It fundamentally breaks the character when you take him out of that. And he's not as important now in his own story because he's being overshadowed. He's basically Tony Stark Jr. And I think it kind of betrays him where he should really be. Spider-Man is one of the most brilliant scientific minds in the MCU. And I think you overshadow that. His, his suit fits the arc perfectly, though. With great power comes with great responsibility. Tony Stark gives him a fucking like Mercedes Benz of suits with like all these upgrades. Like fucking Karen has Karen has a line in the movie where it's like there are five hundred seventy six possible web combinations. No kid doesn't. No kid needs that amount of amount of things. There's like the fucking like instant kill mode. The fucking like the wings that wings that that, that allow him to glide. This thing is just over like a thing is just over prepped for him to succeed. And the thing about like where like oh he like he doesn't know how to work it. He's a teenager. That's that's part of his part of his arc. Like he's also like struggling how to be like just a human being trying to trying to grow up. Um, again with the with with the Ant Man thing, you talk about the quantum realm. Um, that's basically plot armor. Um. In terms of Endgame, that is just because a rat got there and he was there, and you can't really explain anything about quantum stuff because that won't be until Quantum Mania, and that shit is not eligible. I know it's not eligible, but it saves the world. Yours in your movie, he doesn't even have it for the end of level boss fight. Like he gets rid of it. Like that, it's it's not even that important. How could it be cool if he trades it in for the hoodie? And that's more of a crowd-pleasing moment than him getting this thing in the first place. And it also builds into, like you even said it, like he all of a sudden becomes like overpowered. He doesn't know what to do with it. But at the same time, he's inventing his own web fluids and like great and all these like crazy inventions. And then he can't figure out how to hack into a goddamn computer. All because sudden. he was relying too much on the suit. It's that like it's that powerful. Like he tries to he tries to save that ship and it all and he almost fucks it up. And like Tony has to come in and he's like, What the fuck are you doing? Like I have this stuff for you, but like you need like you need to have you need to be able to like work this stuff before you can actually like think before you actually do something. Um to, to hark on a hark on a point earlier, you were talking about where like Ned having a tech guy doesn't work. Um Batman has Oracle. Um, fucking Kim Possible had Taj Maori, whatever the name of his character was, in Kim Possible. Um, like, there's always going to be a techie behind uh, behind a superhero because it's just cool. It has a dichotomy. It's cool, but like Spider-Man's his own techie. I'm just saying, like, it's it's kind of like just a betrayal of the Spider-Man character. And I love the Spider-Man character. Don't get me wrong, but like. Andrew, Andrew Garfield got to create his own web shooters. Like he got to prove like he was kind of brilliant. We don't get that with Tom, like, like Tom Holland, especially in this movie. It's like, oh, here's some stuff I got for you. That's pretty great. The Ant-Man suit. I get to travel through time. I get to like shrink and grow big. The functionality of this suit alone blows that suit out of the water. Like we saw like this thing do three or four things that are far more impressive than anything that Spider-Man suit did in the entirety of homecoming i'm sorry it just is because he's better without it and that movie proves it by the end of it he doesn't need that suit he can't be that cool if he's a better hero without it 
the functionality of pim particles, not the suit. But they're woven that's into like the suit. That, that, it that, doesn't that, work. That's like, that's, like say, that's like saying Iron Man's a missile is like is the best Iron Man suit. Like that's just that's. But they're that woven into not, the fabric of the suit. Like it doesn't work without. Like it's part of the suit. That's just the way it is. But that's right. yeah. Yeah, strike it from the record. Uh, let's start closings with Bill. Oh, really? Yes, Bill, you will have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. To be clear, I'm just saying Spider-Man is better by the end of the movie because he doesn't have that suit. If you're better without it, you don't need it. It can't be that cool. It's just unnecessary, and it's the Iron Manification of Spider-Man, and I've just never really enjoyed that. With the Ant-Man suit, I get to do all these cool things. I can just be a gigantic human, like like monolith, or I can shrink down and I can get into computers. Just I can travel through time. I can go to the quantum realm. It is just those functionalities alone make this by far the coolest thing we have going. And yeah, I, I, I will rest on that. Time travel. I can time travel in this suit. Like that alone just wins the day anytime. I'm sorry. And they save everything all because of these suits, because of this like setup. Spider Man saves the day at the end without the suit. So can't be that cool. Like they needed my suit to win in the in that movie. Time. Okay. Okay. I'll move over to Brooklyn. You have one minute to close when you start talking. If they needed Ant Man's suit to win an Endgame, they'd all look like the look, all look like the people in friggin' um, like uh, Alien Covenant or whatever, like the big fucking like glass helmets or whatever. Um, his initial thing in Endgame uh, is clunky and weird. Tony and Bruce have to like they like they trim it down. The best thing about that suit is is the pin particles. You can talk about how they how they adapt and whatnot, but it's that's not that's not the suit. That's a thing that's literally just given to him. Um, the the part thing you're talking about, the, like the where like the suit, he doesn't need the suit is freaking ridiculous. Um, because if he cannot handle how powerful that suit is and all the functionalities within it, because that just proves that he is Spider Man, that he is Peter Parker, he is a young minded person who is still trying to figure out how to uh, operate the technology that he has to its maximum potential. Uh, that's why it is the best super suit because it's just too powerful for him. Tony Stark did too much homework. Time. Okay. Um, bring in the judges. Okay. You good, Kirk? You're muted, just a heads up. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go first. Um, this was weird. Uh, there were I wanted to jump in so many times on this. <laughs> the MCU is like my bread and butter, and yeah, like, yeah. I, I wanted to say so many things on both sides of it, honestly. Um, and <sighs> there was a lot of talk about like, the pim particles do those count as part of the suit or not and then there was like oh well the suit is too powerful and that's all part of the suit like everything that's in that suit so those arguments kind of like like cross themselves out for me honestly what kind of won it for me 
was the argument about he didn't even need that suit to like get the job done at the end of the movie um that peter didn't need the the ultra uh iron man affied suit and that at the end of the day he was a more powerful and better character with the suit that he made on his own the high school suit uh and the hoodie suit whatever you want to call it and the ant-man suit in endgame uh while there was some flaws in the uh interpretation of how that suit was used by bill that was never brought up by brooklyn uh so just going off of what they said i did go with bill uh brian where are you going and why yeah, I, um, Brooklyn started attacking uh, the Ant-Man suit, talking about the pin particles, where what what does it, not the suit itself. But but I thought Bill countered that well with saying that you know, yeah, the pin particles are you know what you know powers it or makes that possible, but it's still part of the suit. If you take all the technology and extra things out of both suits, then we're just doing Project Runway and you know talking about how it looks good on them and fit and colors and things. Yeah. Um, so I, I disregarded all that stuff as well, just like you did. Um, I actually, I did end up going with Bill as well, um, for pretty much the same reasons. I think that he kind of wanted when he talked about, uh, you know, how in the end it was the, the stripped down hoodie suit is what really went with the twin. I will say Brooklyn, you could have won with two words, uh, Jennifer Connelly, any suit that lets you listen to her all day would win. Uh, you're Kurt. muted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I also, I also went with Bill. Um, everybody said you guys said a lot of things. Um, came at it from a lot of different angles, but yeah, same thing. I think, uh, and again, I've seen these movies, but I don't remember exact details of how the suits were used. So I kind of, however, you guys told me they worked, I took your word for it. But, um, you know, the fact that Bill said that, you know, at the end of the day, he wasn't wearing a suit. Also, Brooklyn kind of shot himself in the foot at the end of his argument. He said the suit was too powerful. And if it's too powerful, then that's not necessarily a good thing. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Bill. All right. Uh, so, Bill is up one to zero. We're going to move on to the next question, uh, which Bill drafted in the category of actors and actresses. Uh, the question is, what is the best villain in a pre-2000s Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? These are things I don't know about. So teach me, people. Uh, so, uh, Bill, you're going to get to kick this one off. You got one minute when you start talking. A little bit about me as a person. I'm the world's easiest lay when you give me Die Hard in a blank as a movie. So when I get Sudden Death, which is Die Hard in a hockey rink with Jean-Claude Van Damme, fucking sign me up a hundred times because... The Hans Gruber of the piece is the eternally underappreciated Powers Booth is Joshua Foss. And my God, is this man a villain for the ages? He is calm. He is cool. He is calculating. And he eats every inch of the scenery every time he's on screen. The man is a charisma bomb. And the movie is better for it. I don't think this movie would be as good as it is without him. Because just every time he's up, he is just so cool. He is so funny, but he is also so terrifying. He is just the epitome of bad guy you want in a movie like this. Powers Booth! Time. 
just scream the answer at the end. Power spoon. All right, Brooklyn, uh, you got one minute broken. Your argument when you start talking. Um, all right, so I went with Chong Lee uh, in Bloodsport. Uh, this is played by Bolo Young. Um, Bo Young is one of those rare villains uh, with the advantage uh, that the fans adore him. Uh, this guy is a fucking monster that just runs through his competition, and the fans just love the gore and violence. Um, despite his initially perceived wild acts of violence um, through the fights in the tournament, uh, you learn that this man acts with precision, uh, and like he essentially plays with his food. He's like he's a five. A five-star athlete, I guess you would say, has the offense, has the defense, has the agility, has the has has the has the perception, has that has that IQ, but is also a fucking madman and is just built like a machine, built like a machine. Like when you think of like when you think of like great characters in Mortal Kombat, they're inspired from Chong Li. Okay. Uh, all right. I don't remember the names of your characters, so I can't say that out loud. But your answer versus your answer. Uh, <laughs> Put some respect on that name. Five minute free form when one of you starts talking. I'll start on this one. Yeah, uh, the, um, the thing, you don't go back to sudden death for the villain. Uh, the thing you go back for is you go back for Jean-Claude Van Damme fighting a mascot. Uh, he is not a great villain. He is just there to, sim- to simply be there. It is John Claude Van Damme as a security guard being macho and manly in a, in a rink. And he just happens to have this person who is literally just doing exposition. Um, not that great. He doesn't really strike fear in- into my eyes because I know that John Claude Van Damme is going to cuddle me and save the day. I mean, first off, when you threw your answer, I got confused whether it was Bolo Young or uh, Mikel Kwesi from uh, Kickboxer, because it's literally kind of the same exact role. Um, and I love Boa Young. He's actually more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, compelling in other films, not quite this one. And I do love this movie, hence the name of my fucking team name. But he's a plot device. He's not really a character. He's just a, He's just the obstacle. My guy is a fucking character. He's interacting. He is actually interacting with the plot as it happens. He is changing his plans as the movie goes along because he doesn't plan for Jean-Claude Van Damme. And to discount it where he Van Damme's only fight in the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot, to be clear, that is a cool scene, don't get me wrong. But there are just so many more great things because this guy is out thinking Jean-Claude Van Damme. He is getting ahead of him, like through the whole film. It doesn't even end in a fist fight. It ends with Jean-Claude Van Damme only just barely beating him. Like, that is a compelling villain. We all know he's going to win this fight. The fight's fine, but, like, it's forgettable. Like, I couldn't ch- tell me anything about Bolo Young as a person in this film. Uh, Bolo Young as a person uh, will kill a per- will kill a person whenever they have to. Fucking shatter, fucking shatter the leg leg of a person, or they will uh, they will just basically uh, like run, yeah, not run away or use use defensive defensive methods uh, to get to get to a person. Knows how to evoke those emotions whenever uh, whenever he has whenever he's fighting John Claude Van Damme's friend in the movie. He looks over. Fucking knocks the, or curb stomps the guy in the head uh, just to get a rise out of it out of his uh, out of John Claude Van Damme and hopes that the, that, that they do do something different. Um, you're like you talk about like the mascot fight thing or whatever and like that is how that's kind of like the kind of like the only scene. 
that's also to talk about the tone of tone of the movie. Like again, you're not going back for the altercations with the villain. You're looking for like the big Michael Bay explosion he kind of shit. No, you're going back for fucking Powers Booth. Put some respect on that name. Thank you very much. All the reviews say the best thing. He is the best thing in this film. He is overshadowing your hero. But oh young is not doing that. I'm sorry. He's just not. He has nothing going on. I couldn't tell you a goddamn word that came out of his mouth. My guy murders a whole family just to get into this press box just to extort money from the government. If you don't think for a second he will go through with his plan, you were sorely mistaken because he does. He kills I don't know how many people, and he has other people helping him. That's the sign of a true bad guy is not only am I fucking crazy, I've convinced other fucking crazy people to help me pull off my fucking crazy. Powers Booth is the only one that can do that kind of thing. But the thing is, villains need to be relatable. Yours is just a pompous fucking dick that everybody loves to hate. These guys, Chong, Chong Lee, fans are literally like Chong Lee, Chong Lee, Chong Lee. You have, they're like, there's hype built for this guy. Like, sure, you know that he's going to demolish through the competition, but you're curious as to how, how he is going to, how he's going to play with his food. Your guy is an uncharismatic block of wood with pecs. He can just shake his little man titties, and that's about it. My guy that's has awesome. three fucking escape plans, and he's executing every single one of them. And that is the genius of Powers Booth, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the exposition, and it's boring as fuck. Because John oh, is, not. is sweaty in a security guard uniform. First off, he's a fireman. Doing... Get it right. He's a oh, fireman, cool. but fucking... Do not yeah. disrespect the firefighters. Oh, also, <laughs> this movie did not did not do well. It's a movie about hockey. This no movie one, made a hundred million dollars. Pittsburgh no loves hockey. Hockey. The fucking Penguins. Thank you. Yes, people Who were love. good in the eighties and like for like one year. Your in movie made eight bucks. <laughs> Let's not compare box office. Let's compare villains. And my, mine is far um, more compelling. My, I'll tell you my right movie now. Inspired Mortal Kombat and the gory fighting genre. Um, mine is much more influential than basically yours. Is referencing Die Hard. Die Hard in a blank. But again, we're sidetracking here. Greatest I'm just villain, saying, Chong, in a Chong Lee works. beats Powers Booth because mine is just mine is more than an expedition 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 dump. Words are hard sometimes. Did you know that though? <laughs> I did actually. I failed a yeah. lot of things in school. It's fine. But seriously though, I'd rather listen to anything Powers Booth has to say. I couldn't tell you what word that came out of Chomo below Chomo's mouth. He doesn't I'm have to. Powers Powers Booth. Booth. Watch what's happening neck. Has snapping neck. Uh, Brooklyn, you get to close first. Cut. You get one minute when you start talking. Cut, cut, cut. I'm gonna drink first. Ooh, no sponsorships. Um, but yeah, Chong Lee doesn't need to say anything because the fans root for him. Um, throughout the the years of him demolishing this tournament, he is the uh, unstoppable force. Um, he will plow through the competition. And he will toy with his food when he need when he needs to be. He knows how to get a rise out of John Claude Van Damme. He is more than uh, he is more than just like a twirly mustache thing. Um, the best thing about sudden death, death is everything else about it. It is John Claude Van Damme. It is the it is the action scenes. It is the funny kind of undertone with it, and it's just silly. You know that he's going to be beaten because it's literally a ripoff of of, an, of another better movie. It's Die Hard in a blank. 
Uh, and he's just filling in the inferior Hans Gruber role. I could see my time. Okay. Uh, we're going to move over to Bill. Bill, you have one minute to close when you start talking. I literally cannot remember a goddamn thing about the villain in Bloodsport. I, in fact, yeah, right there. I, I thought it was the villain from Kickboxer when I started writing notes. That's how interchangeable that part is. There's nothing to it, at least in Bloodsport. At least in Kickboxer, there was the he killed his brother. Powers Booth, on the other hand, is fucking swagger on the screen. If you were going to have a villain that's going to take up time, he might as well be personable, charismatic, conniving, cunning, and fascinating. And that's what this guy is. When I go back and watch this movie, I'm going back for his performance, not so much everything else, because I just... You know what? I could listen to Powers Booth say, and what's going on, Fireman? Like a million times just because he has this smarmy smugness about it because he knows he's got the upper hand. This guy is extorting the government and winning. That's how good this guy is. And the only reason why he loses is because Jean-Claude Van Damme pulled off a fluke. He is overshadowing Jean-Claude Van in his own game. Powers Booth! I just like saying Powers Booth. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, man. Powers booth. Oh, that's funny. All right. Powers booth is the all-time greatest Hollywood name. Underrated character actor. Thank you. Do not let that... I, 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 I don't know. Reptorn yeah. is a pretty awesome name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one as well. Okay, you guys good? Yeah. Yep. Kirk, take us away. Okay, first of all, the mascot's name is Iceberg. Show some respect, please. Um, yeah, I went with Bill. Uh, I think that um, Bill's obvious knowledge of the, of the category, I think, helped him out here. Um, but he just kept coming up with new things about Power Booth, his character. And he did something like he challenged Brooklyn. He said, tell me something about him as a person. And all Bro Bro Brooklyn could come up with was fight stuff. He was uh, Bill was you know probing for personality and background things like that, and I think that kind of proved Bill's point that other than being a fighter, there wasn't much there where there were a lot of layers, a lot of things going on with Powers Booth. So uh, I'm going to Bill to point this out. Okay, uh, I'll go next. Um, I went with Mr. Cariola as well. Um, I agree with you that I think that this. I actually I thought this whole thing was great. I thought both competitors did a really really good job, um, but. Yeah, Bill's like obvious knowledge of this category and passion for this category just overtook here. It, it's happened with like uh, Kirk when he does like Romero or Kurosawa or uh, somebody like Jacoby um, doing, uh, you know, Jurassic Park stuff. It just like sometimes shit happens where just like somebody knows something about the category so much. It's just like it's kind of hard to top it. And I thought Brooklyn did a really good job for me questioning whether or not he's actually seen these films. I thought that he did a good job of convincing me that he, that he has and that he knew them, but um, it just wasn't enough to top bill there. So bill wins the point, but uh, Brian, where would you have voted and why? Oh, I think both of them were trying to, you know, uh, bait me and convince me by their love of Hans Gruber uh, with bills, you know, making comparisons to him and with Brooklyn saying it's inferior to him, you know, both are correct. Um, but that aside, uh, I thought that the debate got into a few tangents at times about like films that were inspired by it or films it was knockoffs of things like that away from the actual subject of the villain. Um, but most of the most of the debate was pretty good. Um, I did end up going with Bill as well uh, for mostly the same reasons. I think that he he 
made a good argument for how, you know, whereas uh, in Bloodsport, he was an obstacle. He was just an opponent. Um, uh, Powers Booth in Sudden Death was, you know, he was compelling. He was always outsmarting him. He had multiple plans. Uh, he was overshadowing the hero. Just a lot of things that really showed what made him a great, great villain. Yeah. All right. So uh, Bill is up two to zero. Point of uh, order. This whole fight broke my heart because I love both these movies. Yeah. <laughs> I feel Okay. Yeah. Every, every now and then. you. I love you, Bolo Young. <laughs> <laughs> Powers booth. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so. Bill's up two to zero. Brooklyn does need to hit this next one in order to avoid the KO. Um, so this next category was drafted by Brooklyn. It is in the category of directors. And the question is, what is the funniest joke in a Zucker film? I believe David Zucker, is that his name, Brooklyn? Correct, yeah. I only had the last name listed, and I was like, I'm pretty sure. But Again, funniest joke in a David Zucker film. Uh, Brooklyn, because you drafted this, you get to go first. You got one minute when you start talking. Um, all right. So I picked a joke from Scary Movie 3, uh, one of the most underrated films ever. Uh, this is Kevin Hart uh, and Anthony Anderson. Um, they have a series of these like paradoxical arguments. Um, and one of the ones they get into is uh, revolves around uh, someone going going to bed and then waking up dead. Uh, but they're... But, you can't go to bed dead. Uh, and it's just this really good use of like, like play on words. Uh, and like, it's, it's kind of a nice little detour of the, uh, it's a detour of like the main storyline, but it just shows the comedic talents of Kevin and Anthony. This is the first time we see Kevin on uh, anything. So it's kind of like his, kind of like his breakout role. Uh, and it's just, like this, this one is great because it's just dumb stoner shower thoughts that you still think about afterwards. Um, I can see my time. Okay. Um, we'll move over to Bill. Bill, you have one minute to open when you start talking. If you want to talk underrated Zucker, Zucker films, uh, there's no more underrated than the absolute insanity that is the gloriously funny Top Secret. Uh, which, if you haven't seen it, shame on you. First off, uh, if you, if you, you know, just a quick uh, bit of housekeeping. It is about a rock and roll singer who somehow fights in World War II Germany, and it is just a lampoon of every war film you've ever seen. And the scene in particular I picked out is the big climactic fight between Val Kilmer and the bad guy, and it takes place underwater in a bar fight. It is a bar fight underwater. It is just so insanely funny and ridiculous. I cry laughing. Every goddamn time I see this scene, because it's just it is what made the Zucker brothers so great. It is the zany, insanity, abstract comedy that they were so good at, and it just shines in this scene. It is so funny. Time okay, all right. Uh, five minute free form when one of you starts talking. Let's go first. Oh, okay. Um, your bit's funny the first time they do it. And then they do the same exact joke three or four times. And it's not funny the second time. And then it's really not funny the third time. And then by the fourth time, it's like, we get it. It's it's just, it's Abbott and Costello run into the ground. And that is all. And first off, Kevin Hart got his, start, got his big break in 20-year-old, in the 40-year-old version. Just be clear. 
that's where everyone started knowing him. And then he started popping up in all these things. So okay. point of order. That's okay. That's that's fair. Uh it's still it's still it's still pretty funny, uh, because it uses like like it's it is that kind of like Abbott and Costello thing, but it's also like humor that was uh that she brought up by like Mel Brooks and like that's like that repetitive usage of words is like, oh, but like you can't like you can't go to bed dead. And what if you wake up alive? Uh, but if you can't go to bed and it just gets you so confused initially, uh, your scene has some problems. Um, it's very dated. Um, I don't ever want to show future kids uh, or I don't ever want to explain to kids what a radio is and how people used to fight over that because they're like, we, we just have Spotify. We can just listen to our own thing. Um, the underwater scene uh, is kind of slow um, and it's only funny because randomness um, and like the characters there have like no connection to the movie. Like if they were like, if there are people that like from the film that like popped up, I think that might be like a little bit funnier. Um, but it's just, it's not, it's not the best of Zucker's work. I mean, if you want to talk about things that are dated, your whole comedy bit rests on a videotape, which is just a knockoff of the ring. So good luck explaining that to kids now. But here's the thing about yours, and it's like it was funny the first time, but they drill it into the ground, and it is just the repetitiveness of Zucker in the later years, which is what drags especially that movie series down. The reason why I went with this one is because I have gone back to Top Secret several times in my life, and I still find things in just this scene that are fucking hilarious. It's just taking the whole big climactic fight and then just putting it underwater. And first off, they're actually underwater. They did this whole thing underwater. It's magnificent that they managed to pull this off. And like just little bits, like there's like little touches where like when the bartender pops up, he's cleaning a glass, but he's underwater. Like, boo, what are you doing? Like, how is this even happening right now? And I forget it. And then like all of a sudden the chandelier falls down and I don't know what the hell is happening. And I just laughed my ass off at just the absolute absurdity. This is when Zucker was just genius at it. This is what made Airplane the movie that it was. And this was him firing on all cylinders with him and the other Zucker and Jim Abrams. By here, most of those guys are gone and you can just see the well is run dry and they just drill the same joke into the ground repeatedly. But it's not even funny the second time around. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, sure. so I will. So I will give you like the glass and the cloth. That was that was a fun little like seg segment. Um, you were talking about mine being like repetitive and whatnot. That's cool. But like my answer is literally just like like the, like the climax of those jokes because it's 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 the best it's the best it's the best usage. Um, and then it like in that scene as well. It gets it gets Sydney fucking fucking furious because she just wants to find the fucking answers. Meanwhile, Kevin Hart and Anthony Anderson are basically are basically just having this like meta Buddhist kind of conversation of like, well, can you wake up? Can you wake up dead? Well, no, but you but you can't go to bed dead, so you'd have to like go to bed alive and then die somehow. Um, you yours has like weird kind of cuts or whatever. Like he's grabbing the face and it just like. It's not meant to be like he's not like grabbing the nose or anything. He just it's just there, and it's awkward. Um, yeah, you you can try to like laugh, uh, like laugh in your argument to like try to upsell it, but it just yeah, yeah. It's just the utter absurdity of it. It is every war film, and then they crank the ridiculousness up, and that's why it works. Like how many times have you seen a guy fighting another guy 
like hanging off a truck. You've seen it a million times. And it's funnier because now it's just absurd. And they're pointing out how absurd this is. And that is what makes this hilarious. This is a t- this is timeless comedy that anybody can appreciate. And, you know, every time I watch yours, I just think, wow, Kevin Hart was funnier in other things. And Anthony Anderson was funnier in other things. And this whole movie is not funny. At least my joke is integral to the plot. Yours is a throwaway joke that they keep hammering in over and over and over again. That, like, it literally could get replaced. And it, it's it, it's incidental. It doesn't matter. Mine's the climax of the film. And it works. It just does. It's just good comedy. Yours is an achievement because of the underwater scenes. It is not funny. It is cool to look at. So it's more like wow as opposed to haha. The question is the best joke. And I wanted to see Kevin Hart and Anthony Anderson talk about random dumb stoner shit. Uh, like if you can go to bed dead. Underwater bar fights. Hilarious. I'm sorry. Time. Okay. Um, we are going to start with Bill on this one. For the closing so bill you get to close first you have one minute when you start talking when you can construct an entire joke and then not only make it funny but make it timelessly funny and then make it repeatedly funny like i can go back like i watch that scene again and just the whole muhammad ali fight and then it's just you know a quick like oh no i'm actually gonna punch you here and it's just every time there's little things in here i am constantly finding that just make that scene funnier the going to bed dead joke was funnier the first time when they did it with the rat and the mouse. And then they just keep doing the same joke over and over again. And it's just, just, I can't find this funny anymore because it's a joke I've heard a million times already. And the movie's not even halfway over. It's just not the same. Like mine, it, it could be appreciated by anybody anytime. This one is just like, it makes me want to watch Abbott and Costello again because they actually did it right. Like, it's just like, I, I can't stress enough how much I can't keep watching the same joke over and over again. Whereas I am always finding things in the bar fight underwater scene and it just makes it infinitely funny. Time. Sorry. I cammed on and went like this and I'm like, I'm not on screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave you an extra second because of that Brooklyn. Yeah, I gave exactly. you an extra second as well because of the same uh, Brooklyn, you now have one minute to open your ar- close your argument. <laughs> Jesus, my fingers. You have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Uh, yeah, so th- th- this this works uh, because of how silly and just out of left field it is. Um, even after this movie's over, you are thinking about if you can go to bed dead or if you can go to lock or if you can be alive. It has that rhyme. It has that repetitive. It doesn't work like rat, like the rat, rat and the mouse thing because it doesn't have that like mouthy kind of mouthy kind of flow flow to it. Uh, yours uh, is is slow. It's cool if you watched Indiana Jones. Like if you watch these, if you watch those old movies, it's great. But there's so much context you need to appreciate that scene. Whereas mine is just a play on words that yes, it has been done by Abbott and Costello, but it's still fucking funny. Um, they're gonna, they're always gonna be these new tries at it, and it, and it, and it's great, and it's great. It is funny. Um, yours again is is slow. It's an achievement, absolutely, because you do it all underwater. Cool, but it's it's not. It needs to be quick. It needs to be fun because I'm needy. All right, let's bring in the judges.
Okay. Um, Brian, I believe we are starting with you on this one. Yeah, uh, this is a hard one to judge off the top because comedy, obviously, you kind of need to experience it in the film. And so, I mean, they can explain the jokes to us, but I'm not sure it 100% conveys. Because like like the go to bed dead, I don't know why that's funny. It doesn't strike me as funny at all. Um, so so I, I was trying to listen to more uh, explanation on that. Uh, Bill's scene, you know, he says underwater bar fight. And especially in the early in his argument, he's just like, oh, it's so funny. I watch it all the time. It's hilarious. It's magnificent wasn't hearing a whole lot about why um although later later towards the end of the debate i start, finally started hearing some details about cleaning the glass the chandelier falling things like that uh, so that tipped me in bill's direction okay kirk uh where are you going and why yeah i agree with brian this is kind of unfair because when you got to explain a joke you, especially in this kind of format you're not going to get it across so i think it was rough for both of them um and it just it was a hard question to argue. Um, ultimately, though, I did go with Bill, and my reason, because I had to cling to something. Um, you know, Bill's main argument seemed to be your joke is repetitive, your joke is one note, and then it would go back to Brooklyn, and Brooklyn would say, you know, go to bed dead, and like it did sound repetitive based on what Brooklyn was telling me. It was one thing over and over again. Um, so that's, again, again, I, I felt it's kind of unfair um, and I hate to have to pick one, but I had to cling on to something and that's what stuck out to me. So I went with, I went with Bill. Um, okay. My vote doesn't count, but I also went with Bill um, for pretty much the same reason that you guys did. Um, I thought that Bill was able to, like I said, it, like you guys said, it took a while, but, um, I don't. I don't think either competitor did a great job of explaining why their joke is funny. And honestly, I thought that when I thought it was starting to get interesting when Brooklyn was like, because I haven't I haven't seen uh, uh, Top Secret and I haven't seen Scary Movie three in years, so I didn't remember what joke Brooklyn was talking about. But when Brooklyn made the point about like there's stuff that's outdated in yours, like it's not as timeless as you're saying it is. And when Bill snapped back being like, your whole joke revolves around a tape. So like that was a really good thing. And those kind of like uh, went uh, cancel each other out. And then when they started getting into um, when I started hearing finally, like about some of the funny stuff in Bill's scene and also about how his is uh, also integral to the plot, which isn't necessarily part of the question, but it was something to cling on to to the point of him saying my joke is kind of timeless that anybody could watch it and then brooklyn just kind of threw out well like mine's like stoner stuff and it's like well that is is that funny for everybody which again isn't necessarily part of the question but when it was all i had to cling on to it was, it was tough so i went with bill which means your winner by way of knockout is bill Ola. Uh, we're going to start post-match interviews here. Uh, Brooklyn, we're going to start with you. I've known you for a long time, Brooklyn. I know this isn't how you wanted this to go. I know you're probably upset. Um, everybody has one of these days. Uh, how you feeling, man? Uh, deflated is a word. Um, to not get a single vote is a little like frustrating, but uh, it is what it is. Bill's Bill's really fucking good. Um, he's like Kirk. You had you had a front row seat. Um, you're probably gonna be facing him in the championship. Um, 
just like like John Claude Van Damme and horror icons, especially, are just like two things that I have that I have no prior interest in, so I couldn't really go into that, um, go into that with with some of the knowledge. Um, yeah, like I don't know. I thought I did thought I did well, but like I guess I just uh, I, like the I, the answer for uh, for David Zucker was a little little meh um, on my side. Um, but I also, well, like when you guys talking, like the question was kind of, kind of skewed, not, not necessarily skewed, but like the question is kind of like, yeah, kind of unfair, unfair, I guess, as, as to how it could be perceived. I can understand, I can understand that. So, um, just go with Studio Ghibli, I guess, next time I might've had a better chance against Bill. Yeah, Brooklyn, uh, this does mean that you're out of this title picture, but you'll be back next season um, for our tournament that we're going to have at the beginning of the year. Um, so when you come back in tournament time, anybody you're looking to face to try to get to the uh, to the title match? Um, Caleb Bowman would be fun. I debated him in music, not in movies. Um, not Caleb Coho. I, uh, I still go to therapy because of him. Um, and yeah, actually, you know what? Um, Tim, I would love to uh, make you come out of retirement and debate because we <laughs> never, uh, yeah, we never, we never, we never got to have like a proper, a proper debate despite, uh, yeah, our history in this league. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe in an exhibition style, uh, definitely yeah. not in a, <laughs> not in a, uh, playing capacity but uh that would be fun that would be interesting so i because i haven't debated in a long time but i'd love to debate you that'd be fun uh so brooklyn uh i do think you did very well tonight obviously it's tough when the votes don't go that way or make it seem like it's not that way but something we talk about all the time and like you've judged a lot so you know is that sometimes you know the the, the votes could be 90 10 or 100 0 and still it was a close match and i think on a couple of those questions today like the mcu question like uh, this last question, it, it, it's just it's tough sometimes when the votes don't go the way, but it was still close nonetheless. Yeah. It's just that's the it, the difference from trivia when like it's it's not going to be a nineteen twenty versus like a seven you know thirty five when you're looking at yeah. like close versus cl not close. So uh, Brooklyn, I do think you did well, and I'm excited to see you come back. I'm glad you joined the league, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to see what you do next. So thank you for being here. Thanks. Yeah, we'll see you next time. And uh, let's bring in the winner, Bill. Uh, Bill, dude, knockout. All the votes. That's that's nuts. It's only been done a few times. Um, how are you feeling? I've never felt so bad about winning anything in my life because uh, <laughs> I really actually kind of do. Brooklyn's my friend. I love Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a sweetheart. I am so sorry. But kind of great at the same time. I guess that's a good – that's pretty good, right? Getting all the votes. That'll – That'll cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little it's, taken back. I'm sorry. I didn't think I was going to do that well. So that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, See what happens when you get me in a relaxed form with a friend and not a guy being a dick. Yeah. I am a completely different person. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, Bill, this does mean that you're moving on. Uh, you're cool. going to be playing uh, the winner of the match from two weeks ago that we totally have shot already. We totally know who you're going to play, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So uh, you're going to play the winner of Brandon Cohen. Okay. And Tyler Birch. Cool. Any ideas or thoughts on that? Any idea or thoughts on who either of those people are? Uh, I, I could explain it to you afterwards. That'd be great. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> None of those names ring a bell. 
I believe I believe both of their debut matches have aired already. So you can I'll have to it. look. At, oh wait, Tyler Burks was in my faction for a hot minute. I forgot. Tyler's <laughs> a good guy. Forgot all about that. I'm sorry. It was literally a cup of coffee. It took a bit. I was like, Birch, right? Fuck. Good guy, actually. No, now that I remember him, yeah, no, it totally got. That'd be fun. There you go. Fair enough. And then Brandon Cohen's the guy that made me and Kirk and Brian laugh really hard by talking about how Robert Redford got to sleep with Glenn Close. <laughs> Is that an achievement or what? It was in a film. It just made me laugh really hard. So, uh, Bill, I'm looking forward to seeing you back. We're going to see you in that contender match uh, later on. Cool. Looking forward to it. We'll see you soon, buddy. Have a good night. Great job. Uh, let's get closing thoughts from Kirk first. Yeah. Um, tough night for Brooklyn. Um, this obviously doesn't reflect what he can do. And like you said, it's a lot closer than that score shows. I just think some of the questions, sometimes the questions are just, they get away from you. I've been there before and it just, I think that's what happened. I think they're, you know, especially that last question was a tough one. Um, and to, you know, navigate that could get tough times, tough sometimes. And Bill was just dominant today. Um, you know, he, he, he came ready. He came prepared Uh night. Uh, big, you know, change from you know. Not that he did bla- bad last game, but I think he he picked up on a few things and you know improved some places. So, um, yeah, that Brooklyn's right. It's it's scary because I think he's going to get better. Yeah, and then uh, Brian, final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think it was a real strong showing for for Bill as well. I think that he's a guy who you know he he kind of has a casual uh, personality, but when he gets to where he really wants to do something, like when he decided to really start focusing on trivia, and then now in debate, you know, he's definitely a fierce competitor and so it, it but it was fun to watch you can tell they used to be friends before uh bill did that to him so he knows where to go from here um yeah it was fun though <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for us today at fan zone debate i want to thank brooklyn and bill for playing and kirk and brian for judging this one with me we'll be back uh in a couple weeks here with uh ugh, a match that is going to hurt the three of our heads because we got it on the schedule already. Nazario is going up against Caleb Coho. Save our souls. Uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks with that one. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. There we go. Thank you very much. Please come again. We have a lot more groceries.